Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. McDaniel will end it in style. Arkansas is in hog heaven. They've won the first ever national championship. Still missing your free throws, Wes? Who cares? They don't show free throws in Sports Center. Here's Washington. On the drive. I don't know if he'll make any change, but I figure it's time for me to start playing ball. And they do it in stunning fashion over the number two team in the country. Fact is, I missed this shot. I walk away. I'm still a chump. You're listening to the Halftime Podcast. Well, we got ourselves an easy show today on Halftime. Uh, I don't know if I call it an easy day for yours truly. Got a double header at Baum Stadium. Later on today, uh, 12.30 with the airtime for the IMG pregame show. And so uh, I got about 18 innings of baseball to call with two pregame shows and a postgame show. Uh, so these 30 minutes of radio with my with my buddy Ty Richardson are going to be the easiest 30 minutes of the day, no doubt about it. So I'm excited about it. Cold day here in Fayetteville. Even colder and wetter tomorrow and then freezing cold on Sunday. That's why you're not going to have a baseball game on Sunday. You would have to. You would need ice skates. You would need ice skates to play baseball on Sunday. So let's get right into it here. And it's a different sort of a show than usual. Uh, just a couple of segments as we'll talk a little baseball, have a little FOMO Friday, and then uh, and then call it a week. Ty, I feel better for you more than anything because you finally get a chance to get out of the studio before before 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So congratulations to you. Yeah, the roles have been reversed, Phil. I'm leaving early and you're having to stay late. I think it's a little different from our roles genuinely during the week and throughout most of what we've done with the radio show so far. But I can't say that I envy what you're having to do today, having to call two baseball games on top of doing this. But I know that's what you love. If you love what you do, you never have to work a day in your life, and that's what you love is calling baseball games. So I feel like you're not too unhappy, even though you're having to call two games tonight. I say unhappy would be the last word I would describe. To use a baseball term is what we got going on today, Ty. This is right in my wheelhouse. So uh, it's a fat fastball right down the middle. Call it a cookie. There's a baseball term for you. And I'll be a cookie monster with these two games. So uh, I'd say I, I got no fear of missing out on today. Certainly no joy of missing out on this doubleheader. Uh, but uh, we'll get uh, we'll get into what we got the FOMO and the JOMO later on. So it's Arkansas and Stony Brook. The first time these programs ever meet, uh, they would have met in 2012 at TD Ameritrade Park had Arkansas uh, finished off South Carolina and if Stony Brook didn't get knocked out of the College World Series in the first two games. Uh, it, Stony Brook's one of the best. Uh, mid-major programs out of the Northeast. They play in the America East Conference, and Stony Brook is located on Long Island, or as they, they call it in Long Island, New York. Long, Long Island. New you gotta York. Be, yeah, you got to be very, uh, you got to be really hard on the G. Long Island. And, uh, and they got some good ball players, so I think this could be an interesting series. They come in with three wins, three losses. Arkansas ranked uh, mostly about 12th to 13th in the nation. Uh, right now is six and one after a, a nice performance against the, Missouri, the Memphis Tigers on uh, Wednesday. So uh, Stony Brook well, picked up wins in two out of three in their first series. That was on the road against FIU, and then they come in here to Fayetteville after losing two of three in Hammond, Louisiana, against Southeastern Louisiana. So uh, Arkansas makes the announcement of the pitching matchup for uh, today. And uh, no surprise that Isaiah Campbell will be starting game one. Uh, Campbell getting the ball for his third start of the season. 
Isaiah. We had him on the show yesterday. I found it interesting that I asked him the pitch that he's added to his repertoire, and he said it's a splitter. Uh, the splitter uh, is, a, is an off-speed pitch that will dive straight down on its way to the plate. It can be very effective for a pitcher like Campbell, whose mechanics bring him right over the top. So that takes advantage of his natural tendency to, to throw straight over the top, and that splitter dives right down. So I think that'll be something I'll be paying attention to throughout the game today. Isaiah Tuno with a 523 earned run average, and Greg Marino is on the bump for uh, Stony Brook. Uh, Marino is also righty. He's 1-1 one one with a 610 earned run average. I really enjoyed the talk with Isaiah yesterday, Ty. You, can, you got a sense from him. He is a very thoughtful sort of kid. And oh, by the way, his, uh, his major is criminal justice. And he is, he's big. I mean, six foot four, I'd say six foot six with the hair because his hair goes straight up. He says that when, when he's done with baseball, and I do think baseball will work out, he's looking to maybe join the FBI. So it's a kid that's got a sense of humor, some intelligence. But I wouldn't be messing with him, not at all, not at the plate, and not when he's done with baseball. Yeah, we've had a few impressive young men on this show, and I say that we had Brooks Ellis on, who's going to med school, and now Isaiah Campbell's looking to try and get in the FBI. Phil, it's the term student athlete. I know sometimes that gets tossed down, like oh, they're just here to play the sport. That's not necessarily the case from the people we've had on. Yeah, Isaiah also minoring in chemistry to go along with that Jeez. criminal justice. So yeah, I mean he's bright. He's bright. He's, uh, I think he's got a very bright future in whatever it is that goes on, including baseball, and we'll see what happens today. A thing that stands out to me is who pitches game two for Arkansas, and that's Cody Scroggins. Now, I, I talked with Dave Van Horn uh, in uh, the Walker Center yesterday while the team was taking batting practice in some infield, and I asked him about Scroggins as a starting pitcher compared to Costi Shock as a starting pitcher because I think the way this is going to work out, Ty, is uh, we know you got Isaiah Campbell Fridays. Connor Nolan will pitch tomorrow, so he'll continue to be the second-game starter for most of the series. He's pretty rare he'll have a Friday doubleheader to open a series. But then there's still the question out there as to who is your Sunday starter. And right now it's, it's been between Jacob Kostyshok and Cody Scroggins. Scroggins, of course, is two years removed from Tommy John surgery and has a rocket arm, former infielder, that was converted to pitcher because he just wasn't hitting so well. Kosti Shock is a guy that over the first two years we just really haven't learned all that much about because he had a lot of trouble throwing strikes. But he's a long, lanky righty. He throws gas, low to mid-90s, good breaking ball. And really, the both of them have, although dissimilar builds, uh, Scroggins is a little more stockier and stronger. Costi Shock is taller and lankier. They come with very much the same repertoire, that fastball-slider combination, and can be overpowering. But I think that at some point, once the decision is made, who is your starter on Sundays, the other one of them becomes a back-end-of-the-bullpen guy because Matt Cronin Ty is going to be closing games, probably two out of every three over the weekend if you get a chance to sweep. You need another guy to come out of the pen and finish off a game, or maybe even set Cronin up a couple of times. So I think it would either be Scroggins or Shock, depending on who wins the starting role. Uh, and it's not necessarily the idea that if you don't get that starting role, then you've lost a competition because it's just as important to be a guy out of the bullpen late as it is to be a starting pitcher. So that that's part of the idea of the depth that we've been talking about for this pitching staff. People sometimes gloss over how important the bullpen is, how important just a couple spurts, a couple innings can be for a baseball team. And if, if Arkansas can get a guy in the bullpen that other schools, not only the SEC but college baseball, would consider a starter – I think that's just a benefit for Dave Van Horn, Phil. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. So uh, three games over the course of uh, what tomorrow's game is supposed to start at three. So uh, essentially you're playing 
27 innings in about, what do you say, about 28, 29 hours. I've always said that if you've matched up, if you're playing an inning per hour, then you're going overtime in, in the world of baseball. It's tough to do that, but you're playing two nine-inning games today, one nine-inning game tomorrow at 3 o'clock. So, uh, well, you know, you pack these series in because you got to try to get the games in. There's no chance to play on Sunday. Uh, I don't know if that affects the team in a negative way, uh, but it definitely will push them a little bit, which will be pretty interesting. One of the things we've talked about, Phil, is how much this team has utilized its speed so far this year. The statistic right now is they're 10th nationally in stolen bases per game. Do you think after seven games so far, is that the biggest strength of this baseball team? Team speed is definitely at the top of the list, Ty, and and it goes deeper than just the stolen bases. That's usually the stat that we'll point to if we're talking about speed. But I'll give you a case in point. In Wednesday's game against Memphis, uh, they scored two runs on an infield single by Christian Franklin. And I talked with Nate Thompson yesterday. He's the third base coach and hitting coach for Arkansas. And he said he told these guys, you got to be ready. On little dribblers, if you're at second base, if they try to throw out the batter at first base, I may be sending you home. Because there's such a small difference in being out or safe at home plate on a play like that. Look at a first baseman. If it's a bang-bang play over at that base, and he takes his eye off of the runner for just a split moment to complain about the call to the umpire, or he's just not ready to throw to the plate, that team speed is is it's more not it's not of course it's a it's an aspect of the team but it's a mindset of the team yeah. right now it's about being aggressive on the bases it's about turning singles into doubles i think that's one thing we'll see a lot this season singles to right center singles to left center a lot of these guys casey martin christian franklin jack kenley trey harris uh even you know trevor ezell even heston kerstad they're going to try to turn singles into doubles so it's more than just the stolen bases that's the stat that usually shows you that maybe you got a, a quick ball club and a fast team to me it's a mindset of this team they are looking to force the opponent to just not be on their to either force them be on their toes or take advantage that they're back on their heels because i've never seen a team at arkansas that's got this kind of speed they'll take advantage of that in so many ways so you mentioned christian franklin this is a guy that was the number one prospect coming out of missouri according to perfect game he's second in the sec not on the team in the sec in on base percentage phil are you surprised at how quick he's adapted so far to the college game I guess it's difficult to, to, to figure out just yet because he hasn't faced the top, top-notch competition that you'll see in the SEC. But what I see from him as far as a tools package goes is a nice, quick bat. He can line a base hit the other way. He's he, he doesn't look like a freshman. You know how sometimes it looks like a freshman's body is just not quite developed yet? His It's not that he looks like he's fully developed, but he looks like a man, even at the age of 18 or 19 years old. And I think he's got that mindset, too, that goes along with it. And there really isn't any pressure on Franklin because they've got him batting ninth. He's playing left field. Next season, he may be your leadoff batter and playing in center field, and the, and the pressure be on him a little bit more. But I think his, his tools, the, what he brings here to Baumwalker Stadium, uh, is exactly what we've seen from right now. He looks patient. Uh, he looks like a guy who won't shouldn't get into too many slumps because he's got great speed and has a good batting eye. Um, ask me in a couple of weeks, you know, whether or not it looks like he's adjusted well because over the first six games, seven games, I think he has adjusted well. But ask me after you, you know you play Alabama. Ask me after you play Vanderbilt, and and we'll see we'll see by then. I know we want to get to our FOMO Friday in just a sec. Last question I have for you: the team they're playing, Stony Brook's coming in three and three. 
How does Dave Van Horn keep these guys motivated when they play subpar competition? Well, and I, I think it might be – I don't think you look at Stony Brook as subpar competition. They won two out of three at Florida International. That That's a pretty good program there in Conference USA. You can't take a team lightly, no matter what. And I, I, I know it's difficult for athletes sometimes to maybe not pay attention to the name across the, the front of the uniform, yep. but that's the way you've got to do it. And really – it's all about just going out and winning games and competing. So I don't think Dave's got to worry about motivating this team. I think uh, more than anything, it's just a matter of going out there and trying to do what you did on Wednesday, which is take advantage of opportunities to score runs. Go out and get yourself a couple wins today, and you'll feel pretty good about yourself. You're listening to the Halftime Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Phil Elson PXP and at Ty Sports Radio. Beard ahead to Gaffer. How about a windmill? Let's put a little exclamation point on it. The Hogs are moving on. Getting into the last segment on a shortened version of halftime, which really, I mean, Ty, that just kind of makes this more like first half today instead of halftime because it's really just one quarter time. We only got a quarter of the show to do today with. Uh, first pitch at Paul Walker Stadium a little bit after 1 o'clock. Uh, so before we get into FOMO Friday, tell them about our new sponsor, Nine Round 30-Minute Kickboxing Fitness. Yeah, really excited to have them along with us. Nine Round is a 30-minute kickboxing-themed fitness circuit. It's trainer-led, full-body circuits that change daily. It consists of aerobic, anaerobic, and resistance training for optimal results. There's no class times either. A new round starts every three minutes. Nine Round 30 Kickboxing Fitness, 2700 South Zero Street down from Supercuts. Nine Round doesn't only change your body, it can change the way you live your life. Call them today, 479-522-0236. They might have a little FOMO that sooner or later you and I got to get in that squared circle for for at least one round, right? Every three one, minutes? One round, huh? You think we could, I don't know if I could handle it. I'm, I haven't thrown a punch since seventh grade, so good luck with that. I was going to say, there's been a day or two we probably wanted to kick each other, so I, I feel like this could be good for our relationship in general, Phil. Uh, you know I'm a lover, not a fighter. I got <laughs> Jomo on fighting. There's there's, there's no doubt about that. But I'll tell you, where place I'd like to be uh, would be over at Foley's Pub in New York City because they're going to be giving a cooking class to a Mets outfielder who definitely needs one. Brandon Nimmo, the Mets' first-round pick in 2011, uh, out of Wyoming. I don't have many first-round picks in baseball have ever come out of Wyoming. Well, apparently he's not very good at cooking chicken because he made himself some chicken last week at the Met Spring Training Complex or right outside the complex, wherever he's staying in Florida, and he undercooked the chicken. I've always been afraid of undercooking chicken. Of course, you can undercook beef, and it's not a problem. You can undercook tuna and be just fine with it. Salmon, the same thing. Uh, chicken, that's another story. And somebody needed to teach Brandon Nimmo how to cook chicken properly, at least how long to leave it in the oven or how long to leave it on the grill because he undercooked chicken and was up all night throwing up. And he missed an entire day of Met spring training. And Mickey Calloway gave him, the manager of the Mets gave him a little bit of problem with it. I mean, good natured problem. It said, I guess we need to give him a cooking class. Well, Foley's Pub in New York City says, hey, we're the place. You figured sooner or later that one of those great food establishments in New York City would take the bait. Uh, so they have offered the Mets outfielder to come into the baseball bar and learn to cook chicken recipes. 
And they've even offered to add a Brandon Nimmo chicken special to the menu. Wow. No thanks, by the way. If it's a Brandon Nimmo chicken special, that means it's going to be uh, raw chicken. I think I might have to pass on that. But I don't want to pass on the cooking class because, I mean, everybody, you and I probably could use a little bit of help on how to make ourselves something to eat. Brandon Nimmo definitely needs that. So I got a little FOMO. I'd like to be a Brandon Nimmo's chicken cooking class. All right. My first FOMO on this Friday is our friend Bobby Regan at Barstool Sports, who we've had on every once in a while. He put out an article talking about the great Bill Raftery and Gus Johnson calls. Phil, I'm sad I'm not going to hear this voice in March. Oh, my goodness. Sorrentine hit that one from the parking lot. It's the first day of March, so everyone's getting really pumped about March Madness because it's just around the quarter. The conference tournaments are coming up. I actually might get to go to Kansas City for that. But, Phil, we're missing out on the greatest broadcaster of all time. He's not calling these games. And that's my first FOMO this Friday. I wouldn't say he's the greatest broadcaster of all time. But I've I've got to get on the level with Gus Johnson probably more than I've been because... I, I mean, I, I should know myself as a play-by-play announcer. I'm an emotional guy. You know, I, I get a little tears coming down every once in a while when I start thinking about the great moments that I've been lucky to be a part of. And I think that's one one reason why, why people might like listening uh, to the baseball broadcast, the women's basketball broadcast, because I put emotion into it. And that's what Gus Johnson's all about. He's all about passion. He's all about the big moments. And he definitely sounds like he's enjoying what he's doing. He's not too cool for the moment. He, he fits into the most. Sometimes maybe yeah, bubble over a little bit, but you know what? So do I. So maybe I should just lay off Gus Johnson and say, yeah, CBS, sign him up. Get him back off of Fox. We need Gus Johnson back on the NCAA tournament. If I can get more into baseball, I think you can get more into Gus Johnson. That's our treaty we signed before that we should sign if we end up doing the show in other years. You have to like Gus Johnson more, and I have to continue to like baseball more. I may have to hold out on the whole natural light thing, okay. uh, just for now. We'll see. We'll see until the natter days come out, because I I still have, we, we still haven't found them. <laughs> All right, I want to be in Philadelphia for the next 13 years to see how this whole Bryce Harper thing plays out. I mean, it's amazing. A 13-year, $330 million contract with no opt-outs. Uh, so, I mean, they, I mean, no opt-outs for maybe the toughest city to play sports in the entire country. Philadelphia is a whole other animal, man. I mean, this could be a recipe for disaster. I will say, the Phillies look like a World Series contender this season. I mean, they've signed Andrew McCutcheon. They've signed JT uh, Real Mudo. They've signed Gene Segura. They got Aaron Nola. They got Jake Arrieta. I mean, this is a team that really could make a lot of noise in the Major League season. But if they don't, oh, my goodness, the expectations are already very high. And the expectations in Philadelphia just an hour or so before Bryce Harper's signing was announced was that they hated Bryce Harper. They hated Bryce Harper as if he was Satan incarnate. Let me read you some of the tweets that came out literally just hours before Harper signed his contract with the Phillies. This is word for word. I don't think this was ever about the money or living in Philly. Harper is a coward who couldn't take the pressure of the Phillies fan base. I never wanted the clown and can't wait to boo the hell out of him. That came from just some random sports fan. But how about this? From WIP Sports Talk host Angelo Cataldi. You know WIP. This is one of the most powerful sports radio stations in the country. And they're filled with hatred because that's Philadelphia sports. Cataldi actually on his Twitter handle bills himself as legendary broadcaster. So maybe he is. I don't know. He probably is in Philadelphia, but take that for what it's worth. These were his words. He, meaning Harper, had a chance to play in sports heaven. 
Philadelphia is not sports heaven. Now he can go to hell. When he returns to Philly as an opponent, he will receive our full wrath with a boo like nothing he's ever heard. Believe it. And then eight hours later, he tweets, I take back everything I said this morning. Woohoo! Philly's got Bryce Harper. This is the same guy that led the charge to boo Scott Rowland when he returned uh, with the uh, with the Cincinnati Reds after he left the Phillies. Same guy that led the charge to boo Donovan McNabb while he was still the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. I also I feel like I should be telling Angelo Cataldi to get off my lawn, but that gives you an idea. Another another tweet to B Harper three four zero seven. I like you as a villain of Philly better anyway. Can't wait to boo you. Uh, this It's a recipe for, I don't know, maybe a world championship at some point this year, but this is a 13-year contract. And Phillies fans booed Mike Schmidt. Schmidt's probably the best player in Philadelphia Phillies history. They won a world championship uh, in 1980 with Schmidt as the third baseman. And, and they continued to boo him, uh, even though... Uh, I mean, if, if he had a good game, they would cheer him. If he had a terrible game or he was on a slump, they would boo him. And Schmidt, I mean, he just sort of wore it, and he just he never played for another team. So, I mean, everybody talks about booing uh, Santa Claus or cheering when Michael Irvin got injured. Uh, there are other aspects about Philadelphia sports that make it an attractive place to play, but you got to be able to handle the pressure. And this Harper-Philadelphia thing, I mean, it's going to be just fascinating to watch for these next 13 years. All right, my second FOMO on this Friday is something I talked to you a little bit early in the program, the fact that I can't get to St. Louis, I can't get to New Orleans, because New Orleans is too far away at this point for me to get off work and drive down there on a Friday. And with St. Louis, the weather in St. Louis on Sunday is going to be horrendous, as it's going to be in Fayetteville as well. The high is like 30 degrees in both cities, and I just don't want to risk driving up there for the Mardi Gras celebration and then not being able to get back at work on Monday. So I got a little FOMO because I got about 10 friends in St. Louis and about five down in New Orleans. I will say this. I am going to the game tomorrow, which I'm excited about. I'm excited to see this national championship Arkansas basketball team, but I still will have a little FOMO that I'm not hanging down with my friends in either New Orleans or St. Louis. Uh, no, I'm going to go in the weather as, as 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 maybe a FOMO. I have fear of missing out that we will actually get back to Fayetteville Sunday night. I travel with Arkansas women's basketball uh, tomorrow in the late afternoon, and we play at Texas A&M, 4 o'clock tip on Sunday, last regular season game of the year. It's always interesting when you're playing Gary Blair's team. They're a really good ball club, and Coach Blair and Mike Neighbors have always continued to have an outstanding relationship, so that will be fun to be a part of. The game will be fun. Uh, but I wonder if we're even going to make it back. I mean, it's a 100% chance freezing rain, perhaps snow and ice up here in northwest Arkansas on Sunday. The high temperature Sunday up here, 28 degrees. So the roads will be frozen. The low temperature, 3 degrees. We're going to be flying back from College Station in the evening. I wonder if we're even going to make it back to Fayetteville. I assume we'll have to we'll have to fly into XNA because when there's poor weather we always land in XNA, bus to Drake, and then you know you disperse from there. I don't know if we're even going to make it back here to Fayetteville or to Northwest Arkansas. If you've got to stick around in College Station for a day or maybe land somewhere else and take a day. I don't know where I'm sleeping on Sunday night, Ty, so I got a little a little FOMO that I'm not going to make it back here. Because if we, the the most important thing as we know is to still when you do come back at some point that you're still in one piece. So I got FOMO that I don't think I'll make it back Sunday night. Phil, we talked about the documentary that's coming out, Corlisville from River Valley Now. Well, one of the segments that's going to be used during the documentary is the 1990 King Kong Classic. 
which featured Jason Kidd and Corliss Williamson. Jason Kidd played for St. Joseph Notre Dame Pilots. Corliss Williamson, of course, was on the Russellville Cyclones. Here's a throwback way back in 1990 in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. This year it's a battle of the juniors as Corliss Williamson poured in 32 points to upset defending champion Parkview. On the other side of the ball will be Jason Kidd. He may be the best high school player in the nation. And yes, he's a junior too. His pilots of St. Joseph Notre Dame knocked off top seed Roman Catholic. The scene is set. Now it's a battle of the juniors. Phil, as cool as that intro was, the ending was even better. One point ball game. Kidd. Penetration. Tries to take it all away. It's blocked by Williamson. Goes out of bounds. The ball game is over. It came down to Kidd and Williamson and the championship trophy of the King Cotton Holiday Classic will stay in Arkansas. Well, we highlighted those two at the outset as you look at a wild scene there. And Williamson denies Kidd on the last play. Of course, Corliss Williamson comes up big, swats Jason Kidd's jumper attempt at the end of that game. Russellville would go on to win 68-67. Trivia question, who was the color commentator who now works for CBS Sports, was working for ESPN at the time, who was calling that game? Was that Billy Packer? A young Clark Kellogg was way back there in 1990. It was incredible. When he popped up, I was like, wow, that is a young Clark Kellogg. So, yeah, that's my last FOMO is not being able to watch that game between Jason Kidd and Corliss Williamson. I got FOMO for the for the next 90 minutes in which we don't have a halftime show to do, but we do have uh, the IMG Learfield uh, Arkansas Baseball pregame show starting up in just a couple of moments. So that'll be our show today. Ty, have a great weekend, and I'll see you on Monday. Enjoy the games, man. You got it. For Ty, I'm Phil. Get up, get out there, and get better. Like the Halftime Pod? Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast at hitthatline.com.